What will I find in my travels, on my trip where the bricks turn red? Will I find more shocking reveals when I enter the house of the dead? I brought you back. Of course, I couldn't fully repair your scarred body. And there are other side effects, of course. There is truth to be found and stories to be told for the voices cursed by silence. What for me will the future hold on this path broken with violence? Yes, let's be wicked. Stories to tell as I follow the thread with all my being and core. What will I find when the bricks turn red? Simply the truth and nothing more. From the wonderful land of Oz, this is Fiction Crime Time. I'm your host, Adam Farmer. Ivory Ironwood, once known as Evie Airwood, sister to Ebony Airwood. Legally, she died in the fire which killed her parents, but she came back. The witch known as Mombi brought her back. She had sensed Ivory's great powers and decided to enlist her help collecting some overdue debts. One of the debts Mombi needed help collecting was from the wizard. Could this resurrection and plan by Mombi be connected to the disappearance of the wizard? And if so, then does this somehow tie back to Dorothy? Last episode, we found many answers, but in so doing, brought in many more questions. Listening back to my previous episodes, that seems to be a common thread. The more answers I uncover, the more questions pop up. It seems to be the never-ending paradox of an investigation. We get two steps closer, but the end gets two steps further away. We move forward, and it moves back. Yes, we have major answers, like who killed Ebony, Bruno, the dogs, and the bees. But we still don't know why. Or who these other accomplices are. And we still don't know who killed the crows and ivory. Sure, we assume that the other man who was with the group killed the crows, but we don't know who this man is. Like I said, there's a lot we do know, but there's still a lot that we don't know. There is one thing, though, that we know, thanks to the last episode, that may help us tie up some loose ends. Ivory was the person sending those messages to Ebony. She really was her sister, and she wanted to pay her back for the years stolen from her. Because of this, Ebony became obsessed with being stronger than her sister. Ivory had the magical gift, and Ebony wanted to show her that she could be more powerful even without the gift. This obsession drove Ebony to cast a transmutation that is forbidden among alchemists. She looked into the dark part of her heart to find the spell that will make her the most powerful witch in Oz. She fought wicked with wicked. But neither witch could have known that in the wake of this feud, 
a girl would travel to Oz and end it in bloodshed. Now, we know how Ebony died. Now it's time to discover what happened to Ivory. We learned of Ivory's aversion to water last episode. I asked some of the doctors and witches in the area to figure out why this happened to Ivory. I got answers about dry skin and how skin care is very important. I got some traveling witches try to sell me some skin protectant cream, but on further investigation, it was just sunscreen. Overall, from my questions and the context of Ivory's diary, I got the sense that this reaction to water was a side effect of the resurrection spell, in that circumstance in particular. You see, Ivory was burned and killed in the fire. The fire transformed her body to ash, and it had become a part of her. So, when she was resurrected, the fire remained. When she reacted with water, the water would put out that fire within her and wash away the ash of her skin. It would sting and burn and leave scars that Mombi would need to repair. If she stayed in the water for too long, it would simply put her fire out and wash her away. Now that we have that part explained, this aspect of Ivory's life is very important to this case because her body wasn't found at the crime scene. So far, it hasn't been found at all. All that was found was a bucket with remnants of water inside. So, there are a few possibilities in my mind of what happened. One is that somehow, Dorothy or someone else found out about this weakness and used the water as a weapon to kill Ivory and any trace of evidence. The second is that it could have been simply an accident. Ivory or someone in the castle could have accidentally knocked the bucket of water over and spilled it onto her. Sure, I would think Ivory would be trained not to be that careless around water, but it's still a possibility. I got the chance to look around the crime scene in Ivory's castle. It didn't exactly serve much investigation purposes since all of the evidence had already been taken, but I just wanted to be there, get a feel of the room where Ivory died. I looked around to see if there was a stain or mark on the ground where Ivory dissolved and melted away, but found only dusty floorboards. It seemed that literally all trace of her was gone, it makes me wonder if they will be able to convict anyone of her murder without her body. The defense would say that for all we know, Ivory might have simply ran away. But wouldn't witnesses see that? Well, maybe there was a teleportation spell Ivory knew. Perhaps she only made it seem like she melted and teleported away. While looking at the crime scene and looking for any witnesses, I know that the only way this murder would be solved is if someone confesses. I mean, all we know is that the group of four were in the castle, then they left, and Ivory was gone. Was she killed? Maybe. Did she teleport? Perhaps. Could she somehow be hiding out in some secret room in the castle? I sure hope not, because that sounds 
kind of scary considering I was wandering around in there and I don't like being watched. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. I want to give you some answers, but there aren't any. I want to tell you it's all going to be better because we got the murderers responsible, but I'd be lying. Like in the world where I'm from, many murders go unsolved. Maybe they eventually get solved years down the road, but many don't. And I can't imagine what it's like for those families. How can you find closure when the case isn't closed? I can't provide any closure with this case at this moment. All I can say is that I won't stop looking until I find the truth. Until then, let's move on. A lot of you may be wondering where we are with the magical slippers. Possibly the heart of the case. As I said before, they were being investigated by a team led by Isaac Flamel and Glenda LaCosta. They were tasked to figure out all they could about the slippers and whether or not they could find a cure for the spell that was bound to them. The spell which controlled the motives of others. Made them want to do whatever the wearer of the shoes asked of them. Since I last told you about the progress being made on the shoes, I haven't heard any updates. So, because of my downtime, I travel back to the outskirts of the Emerald City, to the house of my friend Jacob. My journey there was quick, because there was a lot on my mind. It's actually a funny and scary thing. When you are thinking so deeply about something while you're driving that you arrive at your destination and don't remember how you got there. But I guess that's what this case has done to me. It's like all I can think of is this case. I run it all through my mind again and again. Dorothy, Nick Chopper, a lion, but what lion? A man, and what man? And not just that, but how? How were they able to do all of this and not get caught? Could there be more to this conspiracy nonsense? Is that why the case remained unsolved for so long? And not just how, but why? Why these people? Why these victims? Is there a pattern, or is it just the wrong place at the wrong time? These are the questions that are constantly cycling through my brain, remaining unanswered, and may never be answered. The trail has grown cold. The only chance I have left is if Nick Chopper talks, or someone else comes forward. These possibilities travel through my mind, and before I know it, I pull into Jacob's driveway. I sit on my motorcycle and just stare at the house for a while. This was where it started for me. This was where Jacob first told me about the case and asked me to help him not so long ago. I was a different man back then. I didn't buy into any of his theories. I was only focused on the facts. Now, I'm involved in the case, emotionally connected to it. Has this possibly skewed my insights into it? What is better, to care about the victims getting justice or being an emotionless robot? Seeking the facts. Who makes the better investigator? 
I sit there looking at the house for a few minutes before I notice Jacob on the porch. Has he been there the whole time? No. I'm sure I would have seen him. He waves at me as I walk to the porch, recorder in hand. Hey man, how's it going? It feels like it's been ages. And you look it. Have you been growing that beard out for long? You sure that's within guard dress code regulations? No need to worry about that. I officially resigned. Wait, what? Yep. After my experience with this case, I found that I was tired of dealing with the bureaucracy and jumping through hoops to investigate a case. So what do you do now? Private investigation. Got everything set up. I'll be my own boss, solving crimes the old-fashioned way. Kind of like what you've been doing. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I hit a major roadblock in this case. Let me guess. No body, no crime? Exactly. I mean, is there a possibility to solve this thing without Ivory's body or any other evidence? Sometimes this stuff just takes time. You can't always ride into town on your steel steed and find all the answers. This isn't a storybook. This is real life. You've been making waves. Now it's time to let those waves settle and see if any seashells come up. You're using my own quote against me? Yep. Touché. Well, while we're waiting for them to settle, have there been any updates from Flamel or Glenda? I was wondering when you were going to ask. I was going to call you, but when you said you were heading over, I thought I'd wait until you came. Good news, I hope. Great news. With a slight hiccup. They found a counter curse. It'll make everyone affected by the spell become normal again and negate any further effects. That's actually really great news. That means we may have more witnesses come forward who were affected like Queen Millie. Right, and we will need them too. Because, and this is the hiccup, casting the counter curse on the shoes will destroy them. They will be removed from evidence and be inadmissible in any trial as a result. The OBI has been weighing the importance of them as evidence against the possibility of witnesses coming forward. But lucky for you, they seem to have a hopeful guy on their team, that Agent Morgan fella. Well, he basically said that the slippers only connected Dorothy with Ebony. They didn't need it because the house on top of Ebony already did that. He said the slippers and their spell has only made the case impossible, so he would love to see them be destroyed. Honestly, I would too. So, what was the decision? They decided to destroy the shoes. Did it just after you left the Winky Village earlier. Has anyone come forward yet? The OBI questioned Millie and she confirmed Mikey's story, but... She barely remembers after Bruno's death. What do you mean, barely remembers? I mean, she remembers, but it doesn't feel like her memories. But she knows they're hers, if that makes any sense. Yeah. During that time, she wasn't herself. She was what Dorothy wanted her to be. So, no one else has come forward? Not yet. But I'll keep you updated. Like I said, that's the hard part. We want to be out there finding new clues, but this is the one time when we need to wait. Simply wait for the call. Okay, really, is this a coincidence or is this all scripted? I don't know, man, but I got to answer. Hello? Hello, Mr. Farmer. This is Agent Morgan from the OBI. I'm sure you're still investigating the case. Yes, sir. Is that what this is about? Well... 
Mr. Farmer, what is about to happen is very unorthodox, but we've run out of options. Look, let me just get down to it. We've had a confession. Wait, really? Who? Some lion named uh, Leo Caritas. That's an unfortunate name. Does that name ring any bells? No. Why do you ask? Because, well, he's agreed to confess, but only to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fiction Crime Time. This episode was written and narrated by me, Adam Farmer. It featured the voice talents of Jacob Segura and Mitchell Witcher. Go follow them on social media and show them your support. Also, make sure to follow Fiction Crime Time on social media. Links are in the description below. A new episode will be released every other week, so be on the lookout for episode 11 on June 15th. And, as always, remember that everyone has a story to tell. So, don't be shy. Go out and tell yours. Thanks again for listening.